How many of you feel guilty every time you leave your kids at home to go to the gym for an hour, even if your husband's in a weekly soccer league? And how many of you haven't taken a vacation since your kids were born? And how many of you can't even remember when you last got a pedicure because it just seemed too frivolous? I'm Jordy. And I'm Juliette. And this is Diaper Baggage, a podcast that shows you how to get rid of the mom guilt. We feel there's immense pressure to give up your pre-baby life after you have a child. And we think that's not right. We're freelance writers who live in Manhattan and cover everything from food to travel. And we're also moms. I have a three-year-old daughter named Avalie. And I have a 10-month-old son named Wilder. But we were also not moms for the majority of our lives. And we still have a lot of passions we love to pursue that don't revolve around our kids. We're here to show you how we managed to get it all done and why you too should feel empowered to do everything from travel to working out to work. And know that it's more than okay to be more than just a mom. In this week's inaugural episode, you'll get to know us a little bit and find out what we bought this week. Plus, the weird thing Jordy Googled about babies and tattoos and how we really felt when we got pregnant. So welcome to our first episode. Yes. <laughs> this is very exciting. I know. I feel like we've talked about so much stuff just together that it's fun to kind of have it out there in the open. I know. We should maybe talk a little bit about our background. I think we should. So we met when we both worked at Life and Style Weekly in beautiful Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey, the worst reverse commute of my working career. But aside from that, it actually was pretty exciting. It was. I mean, it was a crazy job. We were out every night um, hanging out at the Clerb or whatever hot restaurant trying to find Robert Pattinson or Jennifer Aniston and whatever crazy shenanigans they got up to. And we were very successful. We were very successful. We actually had our own column. Yes. The Scene Queens. The Scene Queens. And if you guys Google it, you will probably see images of us holding our Blackberries. Just to put the time frame in context. There were no iPhones. (laughs) Our whole column was all about raunchy things that were happening in Hollywood. I think one of, I think our first column was about who had the biggest penis in Hollywood. It was. That was our editor-in-chief's idea. Yeah. It was not ours. And now we're moms. And now we're moms. Yeah. Don't miss it. No, don't don't miss miss it. It It was fun. Look, it was fun in our early 20s to be running around New York City eating at like the best restaurants and going to the parties and, you know, hanging out at, at fancy hotels, but... It's I got much to, nicer now. <laughs> yeah, and I got to live a lifestyle that was well beyond my yes. pay grade. <laughs> and we also were able to go on TV a lot, and we were on Wendy Williams' we show were. together. Should we play the clip? Joining us today with the hottest inside scoop, please welcome the scene queens, Juliette Lippi and Jordan Izon. <laughs> So yeah, we were on the show. She mixed up who we were, which is fine. That can happen quite often. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I mean that's how we met. That's how and, we met and um, became friends. And how we became friends. We both sort of moved into more of the lifestyle category. Yeah, we hung up our, our crowns. Yeah. But now, you know, we both write for a lot of different outlets. Um, I write a lot of travel content, including pieces for Condé Nast Traveler and Architectural Digest and Departures, and I have my own Forbes column. And Juliet, you you cover a lot of travel and a lot of food. Yeah, I do a lot of food. You're my go-to food friend. Yeah, um, that's probably my favorite thing. I do a lot of um, entertainment stuff for all the modern luxury books, um, interior design stuff for Architectural Digest as well, some more travel stuff. Our jobs really make it so constantly looking out for really fun things to do in the city and around the world and across the country. Absolutely. And that it feels both like our personal passions and our professional careers so 
that's really part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast too, is that we really loved our lives before we had kids. (laughs) We did. We really loved them. I mean, we talked a lot, I think, before either of us started thinking about kids, about how that was going to work. Yeah. I mean, because for you especially, you went freelance before I did and you were doing a ton of travel and I mean, you were gone almost every week or every other week. Yeah, several times a month sometimes. I would be gone for big chunks of times, and it was great. I yeah. Mean, I, I, <laughs> I loved it, and it would. I, I remember um, the weekend I actually got pregnant, I decided with my husband to do a long weekend in Hawaii. Like, no, who does a long weekend in Hawaii? Oh but God. I desperately, Especially from New York. From New York, I desperately wanted to see the lava, that flow that was happening, and... Rebaby. Jordy's a big lava fan. I'm a fan. big lava fan. You'll probably learn that. <laughs> if you need any advice on how to go see lava, I'm your girl. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you can't do that now with a kid. So I really loved that lifestyle, being able to like, you know what, I'm just going to tough it out, hop on a plane, right. go to Hawaii for a long weekend to see the lava I want to see, and then come back and go back, you know, get back to work the next day. You can't do that with a kid. But there are ways of still being able to have pieces of that life and that's really why I think we wanted to do this podcast and not to say that it's easy it's certainly been a a struggle for us but Juliet and I I have always bonded over that sort of yearning for our past lives while still loving our our present lives and how we kind of make that all work professionally and personally exactly we're really lucky that we have jobs that afford us chances to travel and and eat and meet famous people or you know whatever it might be and there are ways of navigating that post-kid. It's definitely very different than it was before, but I think super rewarding on a lot of levels. And um, I know there's a lot of other moms and parents out there that feel similarly where it is. It's a huge change. And I think um, it's not something that you get used to within the first year, within the first five years. You're kind of constantly adjusting how everything is going to roll out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm only 10 months in, so... uh... I'm still very much in the thick of it, trying to figure the it all out. The longest, shortest year, <laughs> yes. that's what they call it. <laughs> yes, I can definitely relate to that already. So now we're going to go into one of our favorite segments. Well, it's, it will be a favorite segment. Obviously, we know this is the first episode, but it's something that is a segment in our lives. Let's just put it that way. As any new mom, or any mom, or any parent really, and as a reporter, I feel like our lives really revolve a lot around Google. Yeah. We Google things constantly. And sometimes we, to our own detriment. Yes. <laughs> there have been many a like 2 a.m. Google search because something pops into my head and I have to know the answer. And that's the beauty of technology or the downfall yes. of humanity, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Um, so we thought it would be really fun to kind of pick out some of the things that we Google and that we've Googled recently. <laughs> so this week, I Googled. I get to take on the, the inaugural Google session. Um, <laughs> can you take a baby to a tattoo parlor? And what did you learn? <laughs> so, yeah, first give some background. <laughs> give some background on this one. For context, I wanted to get a tattoo, something to represent Wilder, my son. Um, I'd been thinking about it for a really long time. I do have one tattoo already that I got after my father passed away and it hurt like hell and I thought I was never going to get another one again unless I felt like I 
really felt connected to something. And of course, when you have a child, you feel really connected to something. <laughs> so I wanted to get something to represent Wilder. And what I decided on was a little lightning bolt because while I was pregnant, we used to sing and play that song by Imagine Dragons called Thunder. And the verse goes lightning before the thunder. And he kind of was our little lightning before the thunder. It was this little spark that was, you know, in our lives, but not fully yet. And we knew our, our lives were gonna change and obviously they have since then. And he still is just this little spark so in my sweet. life. So I ended up getting a little lightning bolt on my wrist, but I wanted to know if the baby could come with us because we don't <laughs> have childcare all the time. And there's only so many opportunities that you can go get a tattoo. So I Googled, can you take a baby to a tattoo parlor? And the answer is interesting. <laughs> there are, it varies by state. So basically. Oh, is it like a legal thing? There, in some states, there is a legal thing where babies are not allowed to be in tattoo parlors. Huh. So if you're considering taking a baby to a tattoo parlor, Google your state. But other ones, it's just sort of up to the discretion of the tattoo parlor. And I had gone to one originally in New Jersey before I ended up getting one in New York. But that one said that, sure, I guess he can come in. But then they brought up a really good point being like, if a baby's crying while there's someone tattooing people, it's not necessarily like the environment that you want your tattoo artist to be right. around. They're putting something permanent on your body. Permanent <laughs> on your body if a baby is crying. And it's kind of like a medical facility in a way. There's needles and things like right. that. Right, it's pretty dangerous once you've got a toddler who can reach onto the tops of counters and, yeah. you know, inks and needles and... <laughs> Like, also, like a lot of imagery that's not child appropriate, let's be honest. <laughs> exactly. So not only is it illegal in some places, but it seems like it might just be a bad idea. So you ended up leaving him at home. So I ended up leaving him at home. I ended up not doing it in New Jersey. I ended up doing it in New York um, with a great tattoo artist called John Boy. And it was a much more relaxing experience. I went with my husband, just the two of us. He did not get a tattoo. I did. And Does Ross have any? He doesn't, right? He doesn't. He wants one, but uh, I just keep getting Ross is Jordy's husband. Yes. <laughs> he wants one, but I keep just, you know, getting them before him and telling him, I'll just wait, and then I go and get one. But, yeah, so that's, that's the answer. If you're thinking about bringing a baby to a tattoo parlor, check your local state laws, and if you're allowed to bring one, just remember the setting that you're bringing a baby to. <laughs> Shit, we Googled. So we thought it would be really fun to highlight some self-care products, things that have nothing to do with babies, no nipples, no sippy <laughs> cups, no nursing bras, nothing to do with babies, and really just focus on some products that we love um, just as normal women mm -hmm. and make us happy. Yeah. And we should say, hashtag not an ad, genuine products that we love, and we just want to share them with you. That's actually the name of this segment, hashtag not no. an ad. <laughs> Although sponsors, we're here for you. Just know that. Just know that. We'll just have a separate segment for you. <laughs> so we wanted to highlight some things that we've purchased recently that we thought you might like. And Juliet, did you get something that you loved recently? I did. I'm really into self-care. I'm also just into shopping, if I'm going to be honest here. So um, uh, our nanny generally stays late on uh, one night a week and so I found myself with a little extra time and I needed some new eye cream 
So I went to Blue Mercury. Oh, I can't say that. Blue Mercury, um, which I really like. They're super friendly in there. It's a little less overwhelming than Sephora. Um, and they carry a brand, which is their sort of in-house brand called M61. Mm. Um, Sounds fancy. Yeah, I know, right? Anything that's like a, like a scientific numbers or letters, it's like, oh, it's got to be good. Um, <laughs> obviously. Obviously. Um, and so I bought their new eye cream. And it has some hyaluronic acid in it, which is not the sort of acid that burns your skin, but it's the kind that helps keep you plump in the face. Mm. Um, so it's good for hiding fine lines. It's super moisturizing. It was not the most inexpensive eye cream I've ever bought, but it wasn't like $200. Um, and I think a lot of the times when I buy something a little bit fancier than what I normally get, mm -hmm. I get more excited about using it and... I'm more careful about it, and I remember to apply it every night. Um, and obviously, as moms, or just as women in their 30s, um, it's important. You know, skincare is important. Wearing yeah. SPF every day is important. Um, but moisturizing at night, taking care of the skin around your eyes. Your eyelids are um, the thinnest skin on your body. I learned that from Avi's science book yesterday. Wow. Yeah, the thickest skin is on um, the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. Interesting. So there you go. Look what you're learning from I your kids' know, books. I know, right? I uh, learned that uh, baby raccoons are called kits. Oh, yeah. A kit of raccoons. Who knew? Avi calls them trash pandas and thinks that's an actual name for them because I said that once jokingly. So... <laughs> It's, watch what you yeah, say. Yeah, watch what you say. <laughs> I mean, it's also nice when you have a beauty product. It's a little tiny thing each day to remind you that you need to take some time for yourself. Mm -hmm. Whether I actually, it's eye cream or not. It's true. I, I love at the end of the night, my skincare routine before bed has gotten pretty dramatically long um, because I got a subscription to Allure and now I'm like, oh, I need to triple cleanse. I don't triple cleanse, but it, I, it's on my radar. Um, to cleanse but, and tone yeah, and moisturize. Yes, but now I cleanse and then I tone. I broke down and bought that really expensive Biologique Recherche toner that all these celebrities seem to really like. And then I have serum um, and then eye cream and then uh, moisturizer. And but do you notice really a difference? Nice. I do. I think my skin looks pretty good. It does. Um, if this were a live video broadcast, you could... You'd, you know, see you, you'd see it. You'd see how glowing you'd it see is how and how there are a lack of fine lines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... But it's a nice little five-minute chunk of me time yeah. before bed. Although the toner really smells like gasoline. So Mike is fun. Could you maybe put that on a little earlier, earlier. in the night? So <laughs> Just before I'm you trying. climb into I'm bed. Trying. Well, and it's funny because my product for this week is also a beauty product, not for my face. It's a shampoo and conditioner that, Juliet, you actually suggested to yes. me. Um, it's called Function of Beauty. Right. Your hair looks super shiny oh, today. Well, thank you. I had always been one of those people where I just couldn't fathom the idea of like spending a ton of money on shampoo and conditioner. Mm -hmm. I would basically go into the CVS or go on Amazon and be like, what's, what's the cheapest thing? And I would buy it. And I, or we would get it for free on the beauty table when we worked at a magazine, let's be honest. True. <laughs> also true. And before maybe I could have the time to add some product afterwards and blow dry my hair and I could take a little more time to like fix anything and didn't really matter about the shampoo and condition. But now that I kind of walk out of the house a lot of times with wet hair and just let it air Amen. dry, it matters what, what you're putting into, into your hair. And I can't just rely on the $3, you know, whatever's on sale at, at CVS. So I decided to, 
asked Juliet if she had any recommendations and she told me about function of beauty and basically what you do is you go in and you say what all of the goals are for your hair so if you want it to be more you know have more volume if you want it to be shinier if you have a dry scalp if you have an oily scalp and it makes this whole concoction for you and then they they ship it to you you can get to choose the color of and it has your name on and the it bottle. has your name on it and you if you'll learn anything very quickly is Juliet and I love a good monogram <laughs> and we love anything with our name on it. So if you have a product that you can monogram, put our name on it, we're in. Um, I got it maybe a couple weeks ago and it really, it really has made a difference. And now every time I go into the shower, it sounds silly, but I see it and it makes me really happy. And shower time, especially as a new mom, oh my God, yes. is some of the only alone time you will get because mm -hmm. a baby cannot be in there with you. Right. Especially I have a tiny little shower, but everywhere else, like if I'm trying to go to the bathroom, the baby can be in there. Mm -hmm. If I, you know, if I'm trying to do brush my hair, put my, anything like that, like the baby can be there and the shower I always have felt like is my one place where, nope, I can't, someone else has got to be watching him while I'm taking the shower. He has to be napping and looking up and seeing my little like shampoo and conditioner, even if I spent a little bit more money on it, just makes me really happy. So those are our products. Awesome. Hashtag not an ad. <laughs> Just love them. Hashtag not an ad. So today we wanted to talk about, since this is the first episode, uh, the start of our motherhood, motherhood journey. Yeah, exactly. How we felt when we got pregnant mm -hmm. and what that experience was like for us. Because like we said, both of us were pretty happy in our careers, with our husbands, yeah. in our lives. And I, I think for me, I, I wanted children, but I think I also would have been fine if we hadn't had kids or if it had been really difficult to get pregnant, then I think, you know, I'm not sure how far down that journey we would have gone. I think maybe we would have just said, like, it's just going to be the two of us and that's okay. Um, it was similar for you. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past and how, yeah, we, we were really happy before. We also did want a kid or, or children. I never really had like a vision of like, I want three kids by the time I'm this age. Right. And um, it was really kind of hard for me to wrap my head around what life would be like with, with a kid because like you said, we did really love our lives before. So there was a lot of mixed emotions and when... Ross and I even started really considering having children, I found out that I might not be able to have children. Oh, wow. And a doctor said that, you know, you need to start trying immediately if you even want a chance because they said I had low egg count. And that totally freaked me out because I didn't, wasn't even a hundred percent sure that but when something is sort of being yeah. taken off the table, then you're like, it's a oh, totally wait a minute, perspective. exactly. Yeah. And um, luckily, obviously, we were able to to have a beautiful little boy, a healthy little boy, and it just it happened at a different pace than I expected. It happened sooner than I expected because I was told that it was going to take so long I thought okay this will be a process and I was actually more worried about okay exactly like how far down this path will we go will we not have children if it doesn't work out for us and that was sort of my mindset so mm -hmm. when I got pregnant it kind of threw me off a little bit right, because you emotionally there yet <laughs> I wasn't I, yeah I was not emotionally there yet I was more trying to emotionally prepare myself for it taking a long time or making the decision and telling our families that okay you, you know what we're not going to have children 
and then I got pregnant. Of course, our families and everyone was very excited, but it just happened at a different pace and a different timeline than than we had expected. So it was like, oh, oh, okay, it's it's happening now, right now, right now. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um, and for context, I had booked a trip to Antarctica, <laughs> thinking like, oh, this is you know, I'm not going to be pregnant when I go to Antarctica. It turns out I was five months pregnant by right. when I went to Antarctica. So I think it was just a, a new lesson in a way of having to shift my mindset a little bit to be prepared for becoming a mother because I was, I just, you know, I wasn't ready. Of course it's a blessing, but I just, it's a struggle. And I think some women, a lot of women, I know we have a lot of friends that feel the same way where, you know, you, a, a, a child doesn't necessarily fulfill you. I feel like we had very fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. It's a great addition to your life. But I don't feel like he filled some missing yeah. gap in my life, and that I feel, yeah, like, exactly. I, I feel like there's a lot of judgment when you say that. I agree, and but it's true. I mean, I, I we talked about this with each other, with a lot of our other friends, and I think I would have been perfectly happy in life if I'd never had kids. Obviously, I'm very glad that Avi is in our life, and and she's wonderful. But um, I was never one of those women that felt like I would not be complete if I didn't have right. a family that wasn't just me and Mike. Um, for both of us, you know, we were very fortunate that uh, we we got pregnant quickly. Yeah. Um, but it was a little bit of a, you know, just a whiplash in terms of, oh my gosh, this time next year I was not planning on having a three-month-old and now that's, you know, yeah. where I'm going to be. And I, I, I was not planning a trip to Antarctica, but I did... <laughs> Um, have a trip planned for my birthday for, for Paris, yeah. which we still went on, but it was just, you know, a totally different context because all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're not going to be going to all those wine bars and <laughs> having all I'm that really unpasteurized tired. cheese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truth be told, I ate all the cheese of anyway, <laughs> but, um, and I recommend that to anyone else, but don't tell your OB, I guess, or, or do tell your OB. I don't know. Everybody in France does it. Anyway. Funny story. My first sonogram <laughs> when I went to like... I found out I was pregnant while I was in on a European road trip. So I got pregnant in Hawaii. I found out I was pregnant in on a European road trip. I had my first sonogram the day that I left to go on a trip for Italy. I mean, I had my, my, oh my schedule God. packed. And I remember turning to the OBGYN and being like, so just so you're aware, like I'm leaving for Italy in three hours. And I'm also a travel writer. So I have a trip to Antarctica in a few months. Like, is this going to be a problem? <laughs> um, and luckily I had... You know, I had a healthy pregnancy and was able to to still like follow through with all of those trips. But yeah, it's just a totally different. Oh my god! Okay, not only do I have to worry about like okay, I have to go to Antarctica. I, I luckily get to go to Antarctica, but I have to take a boat down to Antarctica. Now I'm going to do it five months pregnant. Right. So it was. I think that actually was the first lesson in motherhood of learning to adapt. Um, yes. Because it's only been adaptation since then. So yes, you know on all of these trips, I couldn't do all of the things that I wanted to do like I would have been able to if I wasn't pregnant or eat all of the things or, you know, didn't have as much energy. And now having a child, it's it's the same sort of maybe different problems is not the right word, but different issues. That accommodations. Need, yeah, different yeah. accommodations that you need to make. And that really was like my first glimpse into 
what life would be like as a mm-hmm. mother. You're going to have to make some, you know, concessions and, and figure out a new way of life and not that it's better or worse. It's just a new way of life. And I kind of look at it. Um, you know, I had this pre baby life and now this is my post baby life and I'm living with a child and they're just different. They're different. And they're still super packed with fun stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just different. And I think being able to be open with you and some of our other friends about how, even though it's different, it can still be a struggle sometime. Um, I think the big lesson there is just honoring that truth because there is so much guilt and so much judgment when you're pregnant, when you have a kid Everyone has an opinion. Oh, God. I mean, so yes. many people told me that I, I was crazy for going to Antarctica and I was crazy for going, you know, biking in Italy while pregnant. I, I actually kept my pregnancy a secret for a little while because I didn't, I just didn't want to deal right. with and it's that no judgment. One's like, business. it's no one's business and just have faith in a, in a woman and a mother right. for making the right decision for a body. You're not going to put yourself in harm's way. Right. But <laughs> you're going to make the right decision. Exactly. Yeah. But it was, it was that, it was that struggle that I think so many of us deal with. Start, everyone pushes you to get pregnant, right. have kids mm-hmm. and you, you do it. And then there's all of these opinions and then you have the kid and there's all of these opinions and it's just, I don't know. It, it, it it's nice to be it's able to, to, to be honest about those feelings that it was not always it was not always just like so, you know, blissfully pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen. No, it's not like that at all. And I mean, actually, both of us were lucky. Neither of us had like horrible morning sickness. And I feel like for some women, that's sort of their, like we were saying, their first entree into what it means to not be able to sleep through the night. Or yeah. I, I get asked a lot from people like, oh, do you miss your pre-baby life? And I feel like they're always wanting me to say no, that I would yeah. never want to go back and um, that's not totally accurate. There's Sometimes, a, yeah, I do. a lot of things I miss about not having a kid. I, I more than anything, miss being on vacation and having some downtime yes. to read the novels that have been piling up that I brought with me or just to be able to sleep in or... Just not have... It, just have Go out to a late dinner and, you know, not have, have to worry. Have unstructured time. Unstructured time, exactly. I was saying that to a mom the other day, actually, I, she was saying like, what was the thing that was causing me the most anxiety recently? And I said, just the lack of unstructured time. Because yes, I can have my to-do list. I can have my schedule. I can have the baby on a schedule. Like boom, boom, boom. I'm killing it doing all the like to-do list mom stuff. But then, you know, my husband was like, can we just like lay here for five minutes? I'm like, no, no, no. We got stuff to do. He's napping. We got 90 minutes to get this stuff done. And I miss, I miss that. Um, that time and there's like with, legitimate let Netflix and chill. Yeah, yeah. There, there is <laughs> there's no, none of that. Mine's like, oh, can we watch one Netflix show before bedtime? Yeah. <laughs> and my bedtime is eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. I I miss and I feel now between being a freelancer, which means you don't have office hours, you're kind of just catch as catch can in terms of trying to find time yeah. to write, whether that's weekends or after hours or, or while the kids yeah, are napping A lot of times that will bleed into after hours, no late nights. I have designation between yeah. work-life balance. And, and that's not to say that I'm working like eight hours a week or something like that, but just that I kind of have to grab those free moments when I can. Yeah. And it's really difficult to sit on the couch and just do just, nothing just because be. I just feel like there's other things I should be doing. Whether that's and that's not even work stuff. It's like okay, if I'm sitting here on the couch 
I could be catching up on last week's New Yorker that I've really wanted to mm-hmm. finish. Whatever it could be. Or like maybe I should prep breakfast or Yeah. There's always something to be done. Yeah. So yeah, when people say what's the hardest part, I think yeah, is is sometimes it's missing that pre baby life. And I joined a mom's group and a lot of moms in, in New York City joined mom's groups and we went around in a circle and everyone asked what is um what's been the hardest part and my answer and this was maybe six six weeks into being a mom four weeks into being a mom I said um I missed my pre-baby life right and when I said that other moms were like oh my god me too but we're kind of afraid to say it you know one mom was telling me how you don't want to come off as ungrateful right but it's not being honest it's right exactly it's it goes back to honoring your truth you can still be a good mom you can still love your baby but doesn't mean you don't have to miss your pre-baby life. Amen, sister. That's it for now. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode. We have plenty more to share with you on this season of Diaper Packing.